Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Coastal Covers. This is the GCG, the Gulf Coast Guru, and I am here to continue the quest for Coastal Covers to cover every single college football team that is all 131 FBS football teams that are playing this year. Um, you may notice that I've been talking for about 20 seconds with uh, no introduction to a co-host, no interruptions, nothing. That is because I will be on my own for this episode and for my next one, which will be the ACC conference. However, while you don't get the dynamic duo of myself and my co-host Mike together, you will get two more bonus episodes because each the AAC and the ACC will have a part two podcast where Mike gives you his thoughts on every single team in those two conferences. So what it boils down to, my loyal listeners, bonus episodes. Congratulations. We are going to try to bang through all of this uh, regardless of what's going on in our personal lives. That's why we're doing this this way. We're not able to sync up, but we're going to keep bringing it. That way we can get to some other fun stuff, predictions, um, conference uh, championship predictions, Heisman odds, whatever else we want to cover before the season actually starts, which is only a month away now. We are inside of a month, actually, so very, very exciting there. Um, today, on this episode, I am going to get into the AAC, the American Athletic, the last G5 conference that we have to cover. Um, the G5, going to have, uh, this is the last year, it's going to look the way it does. Uh, UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, all jumping ship to the Big 12, wondering a little bit if they are regretting that decision now, uh, being that the Big 12 is going to be losing... Uh, Texas and Oklahoma, which was already known, but now with the shift with the two LA teams heading to the Big Ten, nobody knows what the hell stance the rest of the, the FBS is going to be left in. So I don't even know if it's a great move for them at this point, but you are losing those top three teams from the conference. You are going to be bringing in uh, Florida Atlantic, North Texas. There's another one I can't think of off the top of my head right this moment, but they'll have a few teams coming in next year uh, to replace those three. But it's not going to be the same look, and it's not going to be as far as G5 conferences. I'm doing this one last in the series of the G5 because right now I think they are the best G5. Next year, after Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati leave, I think the Mountain West might honestly have a beat. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Okay, moving on to talk about the teams individually. We're going to break them all down for you and what we think about them in relation to their over-under. We're going to start off with the Temple Owls. This team was not great last year. Three and nine wins over Akron, Wagner, and Memphis. Uh, so nothing special there. Re returning production-wise, this team brings back 66% of their total production uh, from a year ago, 59th in the country. Most of it is on defense. 71% of their defensive production is returning from last year. That is good for 48th in the country. However, not a very good defense last year. 122nd scoring, 121st rushing, 82nd total. Um New coach this year, Rod Carey, is out. Stan Drayton comes in for his first year as a head coach. Um, he's been around for a long time now. Uh, he was the running back head uh, coach and assistant head coach back in 1993. Um, he's popped around teams like Florida, OSU, Texas. So he's been around the block a little bit, but he doesn't have a ton to work with right off the rip here. Six back on offense, which was uh, all worse than 100 ranked in the country in every single ma major category, 126 in scoring, 125th overall last year on offense, for example. 
So nothing good there. Five back on the defense, 122nd scoring, 121st against the rush, 82nd total. So not good on either side of the ball last year. Dwayne Mathis, Dwan Mathis, I'm sorry, former Georgia starting quarterback in 2020, comes back. He was never really 100% last year. Can this guy be a playmaker? That's what I'm wondering. If he can, maybe we can see something pointing us towards the over-under set at 2.5 by Vegas. So uh, he's going to be a big factor here. Um, other than that, a former A&M, Texas A&M recruit and a Florida transfer, Iverson Clement. Um, so that's two different Power 5 recruits coming in, uh, transferring in this year. They're going to split carries at running back. Uh, that will also go along with returning starter Edward Sadie at running back. So um, a little bit of depth at the running back position, only two back on the O-line. So that's not great. A little bit of experience at wide receiver, nothing special. So the offense to me is going to revolve a lot around Dewan Mathis and what he can bring to the table. The D gave up 34 points or more in eight games last year. Not very good. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and switch schematically on defense this year. We're going to go to the 3-4. Brought in a lot of Power 5 talent from the transfer portal. They were number 52 in the country in the transfer portal this year. Most of that coming in on the defensive side of the ball. Probably a good move. However, none of their players in general, the five returning or the transfer portal guys, are projected to be all-conference players on that side of the ball. So not a lot of things that I consider to be promising for the Temple Owls so far. Let's get into the schedule. Like I said, Vegas has the over-under projected at 2.5. Over is minus 130, so they are leaning to at least three or more wins. Uh, under at plus 110. They're going to start off the season at Duke. I got them losing that game. I know Duke has a lot of new things going on. Mike Elko in his first year. Uh, going to talk about that a lot more on the next podcast for the ACC. As far as this one, I'm just going to say I'm going to give it to Mike Elko and the boys. Temple takes a loss. Then they have Lafayette, 3-8 and eight in the FCS last year. They're coming to town. Um, coming to Philly, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna give Temple the win. Uh, Rutgers comes to town after that. It's homecoming for Temple. Probably an unfortunate homecoming for Temple, though, as Rutgers did beat them 61-14 to 14 last year. Rutgers has won five straight. I'm going to give that lean to Rutgers. Then Don Brown and UMass come to town. I'm going to give Temple the win here. Uh, a little early in the season for Don Brown to have too much turned around there, so we'll give the edge to the Owls. Then uh, Temple is going to play one of the teams they beat last year, Memphis. However, they are going to the Liberty Bowl this time. Uh, Memphis, we will get into that later, but... Uh, much more susceptible to losing outside of the Liberty Bowl than they are in it. That's for damn sure. Uh, pretty much the wins and losses between these two teams alternate based on where the games are played in the last seven. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Memphis on the win. Temple then will get a bye week. So we're at two and three going into the bye. They travel to UCF, who also has a bye before this game. So I'm going to give UCF the win there. They bring Tulsa to town. Tulsa has a bye week before they play Temple. I'm going to give Tulsa the win there. Then they're going to go at Navy. It's homecoming for Navy. Navy won last year, 28-14. to 14. No reason to think it changes this year. I'm giving the win to Navy, so that's four straight losses here for Temple. Then they're going to bring USF, South Florida, where I'm from, uh, to town on November 5th. <clears throat> what do we know about Florida teams as far as traveling north? The later in the season it gets, the less you want to take those teams uh, this is November 5th. As I said, it's the second leg of a back-to-back -back for USF. So although they did beat Temple last year, I'm going to go with Temple in this spot. I like this spot here for Temple to get their third win. Uh, next up, they're going to go at Houston. Should be uh, lights out for Houston here. So a win for Houston, loss for Temple. Since he comes to town, East Carolina comes to town to end the season. 
I got two more losses. I have Temple at three and nine. Um, however, I, I don't really trust them to beat USF. It's not a play I like a lot. Under at plus 110, probably the better value. I'm I'm not going to bet this one if I'm being honest, but that would be my lean. If anything, I don't really like this roster. Next up, we're going to talk a little bit about USF, the town that I um, – or the team that I live by. They play at Raymond James right now. They're working on getting a stadium beat, built in St. Pete. Um, so, hey, things on the horizon for the Bulls. They bring back 86% of their total production – Good for fifth in the country. 88% of it is on offense. 84% of it is on defense. That sounds great. However, this team went 2-10 and 10 last year. They had wins over Florida A&M and Temple. So not a good team last year. Um, Recruiting-wise, towards the back end of the pack, 2021, they were fifth in the AAC. Um, but 2020, 2022, they were towards the hundreds. They were 91th in the country in recruiting in 2022. Good for eighth in the conference, even worse in 2020. So those guys are a lot of the guys that you're going to see playing on the field right now. Not very good. Um, 110th in 2020, 9th in the conference. Jeff Scott's back for year three as head coach. Um, killing it in the transfer portal, number 31 in the country this year. Uh, they got 10 back on offense. So as we said, a, a really, really good amount of returning production. Um, eight on defense, but this team was 100th in scoring offense last year, 101st in passing offense, 102nd total offense, defense, all categories worse than 100 um, out of 130 teams last year. So not very good on either side of the ball. That is why they were 2-10. and 10. Um, This year, though, Jerry Bohannon is part of the reason for that transfer portal being ranked at number 31. He comes in from Baylor. He uh, has experience as a starter, had a pretty good run there at Baylor, just didn't get the job this year. Wide receiver is deep for uh, Mr. Bohannon. Um, returning leader from last year, wide receiver Xavier Weaver is back, as well, as well as sophomore Jimmy Horn Jr. and Clemson transfer Aju Aju. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I'm just going to roll with it. Their entire O-line is back, 136 career starts between the five of them. Um, and then also their leading rusher from last year, Jaron Manham. He is back. So a lot good kind of sounding from the offense there. Can they put it together? And what's the defense look like? Well, the defense is stacked with Power 5 transfers uh, to complement the eight returning starters. The unit was a mess last year, but the D-line was rebuilt from transfers from schools like Wake and UNC. Secondary is experienced due to a lot of injuries last year. They also pull in two K-State transfers. That's Kansas State. They're known for uh, being pretty strong defensively, so I do like that. Um, I like a lot about what this team brings to the table this year. However, Vegas has the over-under set at four and a half. Over minus 115, under minus 105. So they really don't know. Are they going to win four? Are they going to win five? Well, let's break it down. Let's look at the schedule. Unfortunately for USF, <clears throat> I do pull for this team, but this schedule looks pretty damn tough. First week, they're going to bring in Brigham Young, BYU. Um, last year, BYU beat this team 35 to 27. However, in 2019, USF won in South Florida 27 to 23. Um, so they play BYU pretty tough, and, and, and the Mormons out there from Utah seem to struggle a little bit in the heat in Florida. I do have BYU winning this game, but if recent history has told us anything, it should be should be a live game. So we'll see what happens. I got BYU with the win. Howard comes to town after BYU. They were 3-8 and eight in the FCS last year, so I do have USF getting that one done. Brutal stretch of games here, starting with a back-to-back -back road trip at Florida, at Louisville. I have two losses. Then they bring ECU to town. It does follow Navy for ECU, 
you never really like to play a team with some talent after a triple option. So a little bit of an alert on this game. Just watch it. Watch the line. See what it looks like. Um, but I do have ECU getting this one done. They won last year, 29-14. to 14. I think ECU is going to be a better team even this year, so I have them getting it done. Then USF will travel to Cincinnati. It's homecoming for Cincinnati. Nice little cakewalk for them in their homecoming game. They're going to get it done. Loss for USF. Then before the bye week, we're going to bring Tulane to town. It's homecoming for USF. Tulane did win last year, 45-14. to 14. However, I have USF getting it done here. Um, so I have them at 2-5 and five going into the bye week. Then they are going to go on another back-to-back road stretch at Houston, at Temple on November 5th, as I talked about. Um, I have two losses there. Not a ton of wiggle room there in my mind. I mean, maybe they pull the Navy or the Temple game. However, it's just such a poor, poor spot for a Florida team traveling up north. Okay, then they're going to bring SMU to town, which follows Houston for SMU. Um, I like the spot for an upset. I think USF has enough firepower to hang with SMU. I don't think SMU has enough defense to hold down USF. I think it's going to be a shootout, and I'm going to give the edge to USF in this one for an upset. Then they're going to travel to Tulsa. Tulsa beat them last year, 45-14. to 14. Uh, I have Tulsa getting the win there again. And then UCF comes to town for the rivalry. It does follow Navy for UCF, so look out. Last year the score was only 17-13. to 13. UCF got it done. UCF has won five of these straight. I'm going to give UCF the win here, but um, might be a little bit of a closer game than people think. That brings my total to USF uh, three and nine, which makes me lean towards the under at minus one hundred five. Um, it's really hard. As much as I do actually like the improvements on this roster, it is really hard for me to see this team get the five games. So uh, it's a pretty decent lean for the under four and a half for me. Jeff Scott unfortunately might not be able to salvage salvage his job down here in the Greater Tampa area. Um, unfortunate for him because he's really really doing good things there as far as building the, the program, but just not uh, able to snag a break schedule-wise this year to really make a jump. Sometimes that is what it takes for a team trying to build up. It takes an easy schedule for them to be able to get it done. All right, so speaking of teams struggling a little bit recently, we're going to talk about the Navy Midshipman football team. Um, returning production-wise, not great. Uh, pretty much 100 in everything, uh, rated right, right 100 out of 131. Um, in all returning production categories. Only thing is offense, they bring back 53%. That's good for 98th in the country. So this team does lose a lot. Um, they still do have Ken Niamatalalolo. Um, I know him. He's a great, I don't know him personally. <laughs> that would be interesting though. Um, but I, I, I know of him. I, I'm struggling to sound, pronounce his name. Makes me sound like a newbie, but uh, it's just, it's just a lot of vowels, <laughs> which makes it tough to say. However, I know him because he's 105 and 75 as a head coach. He's returning to man the ship there for Navy. Haha, <laughs> little pun, get it? Um, only four coming back on offense. Not a very good offense last year. 107th scoring, 126th overall out of 130 teams last year. So not great. Defensively, they do bring back six, which had the 32nd rush defense last year, 51st pass defense last year, and 34th total. So that is good. That's a little bit of promise. Um, Quarterback Ty Lavatai, La, La, Ty Lavatai <laughs> uh, comes back. Yeah, can't really say his name all that well, but he's not a bad quarterback. He's not a star triple option quarterback like you want for these programs to really crest the mountain and uh, get to uh, elite level as far as G5 or lower teams. 
Um, but he's serviceable. He was their leading rusher last year. Um, he's their leading returning rusher this year. They don't really have much in the way of running backs to talk about. Only two back on the O-line. Um, mixed bag of seniors and juniors, really, with a few underclassmen. Normally, if you don't see a lot of linemen coming back for a triple option team, you want to at least see that they're all upperclassmen. That isn't the case for this team. So that does worry me. This offense doesn't sound like it's going to be too much better than last year. <clears throat> um, the defense takes a huge hit, loses linebacker Diego Fago. Um, that's going to be my final attempt at saying that name. I've heard broadcasters say it every which way, but to avoid the uh, the slur that you don't want to say it. So I'm going to go with Fago. Um, second, secondary has multiple sophomores to count on. Never a great thing. However, fresh uh, free safety Rayuan Lane is considered an up-and-coming star, so that is good. Maybe a little bit of promise back there, but a young secondary. Um, <clears throat> you do have nose guard Donald Bernard Jr. Um, he's projected third-team all-conference, so that's good. On what should be a pretty decent D-line, that is something you want to see on your uh, on your team's defenses when you're projecting what they're going to do. You want to see a good O-line. You want to see a good D-line, so they at least have half of the equation here. Um, Vegas. Sees this team over, under, four and a half wins. Over is set at plus 105. Under is set at minus 125. That being said, let's go ahead and get into the schedule. Start off, they're going to start off with two games at home. They're going to play Maryland, who is number 20 ranked, uh, projected in 2022 right now in the FCS. Tough game there. Uh, they went five and six in the FCS last year. I'm going to give Navy the win here. Then they're going to bring Memphis to town. This is the second of a back-to-back -back road trip for Memphis to start the season. What did I say? Memphis, not great outside of the Liberty Bowl. So while Memphis did win this game last year, I'm going to have them lose it here. Navy starts off 2-0, goes into the first bye week. Um, then they're going to go on a brutal, brutal back-to-back -back road trip here. Uh, they're going to go to East Carolina. Um, ECU won last year, 38-35. to Navy won the previous five. They're seven and two all time. So ECU struggles a little bit against the triple option. Uh, however, I like East Carolina to get it done here. I got the loss for Navy. And then Navy is going to go on the road to play rival Air Force. Um, I really like this spot for Air Force. I think Air Force rolls this team. They won 23 to three last year. Navy's 22 and 32 all time in this rivalry against Air Force. Really, really good spot for the Falcons. I like them to get it done. So two straight losses, two and two to start the season. Then they're going to bring Tulsa to town. Uh, follow Cincinnati for Tulsa. Navy did win last year, twenty to seventeen. They've won six of the last seven against Tulsa. I'm going to give them here, give it to them here at home. So three and two. Then they're going to go on the road to play SMU. SMU has a bye before. That's what you want to see for a team playing a triple option. You want to see them have a bye. So I'm going to give the win to SMU at home. And then they bring Houston to town, Navy does. Um, Houston also has a bye before. Houston just edged out Navy last year, 28-20. to 20. I have them getting it done again this year. Um, this is a tricky spot. I see some people calling for the upset here in this spot for Navy. I could see it happening, but with the bye before and how much talent uh, Houston does have, especially on their defensive line, I think they're going to be a little too big, a little too physical. I think they'll get it done. Two straight losses there for me for Navy. Then they bring Temple to town. Homecoming game for Navy. I got Navy getting that one done. Then a brutal, brutal end of the season stretch. They go at Cincinnati. They play Notre Dame in Baltimore. They go at UCF. They have a bye week, and then they play Army in Philadelphia in the big Army-Navy game. 
Um, I got them dropping the Cincinnati, dropping a Notre Dame, dropping a UCF, the bye week, and then against Army and Philly, it's gonna be a good game. It always is. Navy is 62 and 53 all time, including a win last year, 17 and 13. However, I really think a lot of this Army team, and I am gonna give them the edge in that game. So Navy loses four to end the season. Four and eight is the projection I have them on the year. Over under is four and a half. As I said, um, with the over being plus 105 and the under being minus 125, I am going to lean towards the over. Um, I'm not impressed by this team. However, they do have a really good coach. They do run the triple option. Um, I never really like to fade a triple option team that I think at least has potential to catch a few teams off guard. I mean, they could catch East Carolina. They could catch Houston potentially. Um, the Cincy game and UCF, I mean, that's interesting because Cincy and UCF, uh, I'm sorry, the UCF game is interesting because they play Cincy the week before. So I, I, there's some interesting spots there. Um, I said a lot of what I just said incorrectly. However, I'm not going to waste the time to go fix it up. What I mean is the Cincinnati spot is interesting, and they kept that game close. Okay. Um, there's opportunity here for a fifth win is mostly what I'm getting at. So I would lean towards the under or the over four and a half at plus 105, um, <clears throat> but I'm not wild about it. Next up, the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Um, this team has been towards the bottom of the conference in recruiting for the last three years, um, over the 100 rating of the country, so in the very, very tail end of the FBS for the last three years. So talent-wise, they're not bringing a crazy amount in. They've lost a lot of transfers over the last few years. I do know that. Uh, returning production is not fantastic. Total percent of the returning production is 56% for 110th in the country. Um, and it's, it's not good on either side of the ball. So they don't bring a ton, a ton back transfer portal ranking number 88 in the country this year. Uh, so that's nothing spectacular. Uh, they were six and six last year. Bill Montgomery is back for year eight as head coach. He's 38 and 46 all time. They got six back on offense, which it was a decent offense last year, 34th in rushing, 53rd in passing, 28th total, three back on the defense, and we will get into it more when I talk the defensive side of the ball. I think that's where a lot of the struggles are going to come for this team on uh, on the field this year. Offensively, starting there, quarterback Davis Brin returns, mixed bag last year. He did throw for a lot of yards, have some touchdowns. However, he led the entire nation with 16 interceptions. Turnover prone, that's not great. Um, wide receiver and tight end positions pretty much bring everything back, so a lot of talent around them there. Um, other than the O-line, which only returns two and loses a ton of depth through the portal, so that is a problem for Davis Brennan and his turnovers. He might have some heat on him. However, what could help uh, is, is, is a steady run game. If that O-line can block for the run game, they, um, they lose some talent there, obviously, but they bring back three running backs that combined for 1,300 yards last year and 11 touchdowns. Um, plus, they bring in a 1,000-yard rusher. Uh, he's, he's a Juco transfer that had a 1,000 yards. So they have a lot going on there at the running back position. I really do like that. Um, but with the O-line and Davis Brin just being so inconsistent, uh, the offense worries me. So if you have an offense that worries me, hopefully you have a defense that can do – um, something here. Let's, let's see what we think. Uh, well, they lost their defensive coordinator, Joseph Gillespie to TCU. Gillespie has done a great job pumping out, uh, 
really good cornerbacks backs especially for Tulsa recently. But I mean, Tulsa's had some good good defenses over the last few years, and I see that taking taking a big hit um, this year without without Gillespie there. So that does suck. Uh, D line returns some seniors. They have Anthony Goodlow who had six sacks last year. So that's cool, but their star D lineman Jackson Player transfers to Baylor. That hurts. Secondary does have some some experience and some talent. Um, I wonder what they'll look like with Gillespie leaving, but I think the D is going to take a step back this year. I'm not crazy impressed with the offense due to the O line and Davis Brin's turnovers. So let's get into what we think. Vegas thinks the over under should be set at six over plus one hundred under minus one twenty. Um, so they're leaning to uh, five or less here. Wyoming is where they're going to start the season. They're going to Laramie to start the season. Uh, really tricky game. I don't think much of Wyoming this year, so I am going to have Tulsa get this one done. But uh, that's a real, real, real 50-50 game. That's a tough trip to make. Week one, hopefully the Golden Hurricane will be uh, be ready for it. Then they're going to bring uh, MAC champions, reigning MAC champions NIU to town. Always a tough game when you play Northern Illinois. However, I think Tulsa is going to get it done, so I have them starting off 2-0. and then they bring Jacksonville State to town. That's an FCS team this year. Going to make the jump to the FBS next year. Um, and what do they have this year? They have Rich Rod. Rich Rodriguez has gone to be the head coach of Jacksonville State. This team was 5-6 and six in the FCS last year, but they did beat Florida State. They're always one of the more talented programs in the FCS. Um, they have an NC State transfer quarterback. I, I'm, I'm calling for the upset. Uh, UC Davis beat this Tulsa team last year in the first week of the season, and I'm going to have them lose to another FCS this year. I'm, I'm sorry to do it to you, Golden Hurricane fans. I know you're out there, but I really like this spot. I really like what uh, Rich Rod could possibly cook up for a defense that I don't think is going to be great and a team that could turn the ball over. Uh, after Jacksonville State, they're going to go hit the road to play Ole Miss. They haven't played since the 1964 Blue Bonnet Bowl, so – Good to see this one happen again, I guess. I got Ole Miss getting the win there. So two straight losses. Then they bring Cincinnati to town. Three straight losses. Then they go at Navy. So a brutal stretch there. I have them losing at Navy as well. Uh, so just two and four going into the bye week for me for Tulsa. Then they're going to come back and go on the road to play Temple. I got them beating them. They beat them 44-10 to 10 last year. Got them getting it done again this year. Home game against SMU. It's homecoming for Tulsa. Follows Cincy for SMU. Tulsa won last year. Uh, I just don't think they're going to get it done this year. I like what SMU has enough to get this win, even on the road. Um, then they're going to bring Tulane to town. I have them split in this. These are really two teams that I do think are actually better than Tulsa, but it's close enough to where I think a two-game home stretch, they're going to win one. I got them beating Tulane at home. Even though Tulane does have a bye before, Tulsa won in overtime last year at Tulane. Tulsa's 13-5 and all time. I got them getting it done again here. Uh, for the win. Then they go play Memphis in the Liberty Bowl. I got them losing that game. They're going to bring USF to town. I got them getting a win there. Go on the road to play Houston in the final game of the season. Houston beat them 45-10 to 10 this year. No reason to think that the outcome's any different here. I got them losing. So I have Tulsa at 5-7. and seven. I am on this under 6 that Vegas sent, set. It's minus 120. Nothing insane. I actually... Don't know that it's one I'd consider an absolute lock, but I do like that play. I don't see this team being better than a bowl eligible team, that's for sure. I think six is kind of the ceiling, and uh really I think five or less is gonna be the number. I'm just not impressed with this roster. So I am under the six that Vegas set there. 
Hopefully Tulsa doesn't lose uh, too much faith in Phil Montgomery as a head coach there. I mean, I know he's only 38 and 46, but he's really had a lot of good years. He's brought some good talent through that program. Um, I think he's one of those coaches that overperforms for the talents he has. I mean, when you think of the years that Tulsa has been having recently, and then you hear, you know, like I alluded to at the beginning, I didn't give you the exact numbers in 2020, they were 117th and recruiting 10th in the conference 2021. 127th and 11th in the conference. 2022, 112th and 10th in the conference. That's towards the end of even just the AAC, let alone the big picture of things. It's towards the end of the 130 FBS teams that we've had until, you know, this year we have 131. But um, it's just not a lot of talent, but he's he's doing good things with it. So I think you got to just hang in there with Phil Montgomery unless you think you could find an absolute recruiting ace. So moving on, we will talk about Tulane, the Green Wave. Um, on the other side of the uh, returning production coin, Tulane actually has a ton coming back. 75% of their total production from last year returns. That's 29th in the country. 89% of their offensive production from last year returns. That's good for 10th in the country. Um, Willie Fritz has been doing a pretty decent job recruiting um, 69th in 2020 in the country. Very nice number there. Uh, third in the AAC, which is pretty damn impressive. 2021, he was number 80, sixth in the conference. 2022, 74, fifth in the conference. So bringing in decent talent there to Tulane. Um, 65th in the transfer portal this year. How did it translate on the field last year? Well, not good. Two and 10, a very confusing two and 10 season last year. Started off uh, pushing Oklahoma to the brink. And then um, things really fell off from there, mostly defensively. However, in November, they really did play a lot of closer games. They turned things around a little bit. I am a Willie Fritz guy. I think Willie Fritz is a really, really good coach, and I think he's going to get things back on track a bit this year. Um, two and ten last year. Vegas has the number set at six this year, so I think Vegas is thinking the same thing I am that this team is going to get back on track a little bit. All right, eight back on offense, seven back on defense. Every category was pretty much terrible defensively last year, so we won't harp on that too much, but. The more surprising thing is that the offense wasn't really great last year. 60th in rush, uh, 74th in passing offense, 73rd in total offense. Not awesome, but they do bring back quarterback Michael Pratt. He had 21 TDs and eight interceptions last year. Played hurt for a lot of the year, too. Um, Tajay Spears. Tajay Spears? Tajay? Tajay? Tajay Spears comes back at running back. Um, he ended last year with four 100-yard rushing games in his last five games, um, including 264 yards on the ground against Memphis. So I do like that coming back at right, running back. They also have a Shad Clayton, a former four-star recruit, transferring in from Colorado. So I think the ground game is going to be a lot, a lot better than that 60th rush that we saw last year, which is also good for Michael Pratt. You know what also works well for the running backs and for Michael Pratt? Four of five back on the O-line. you got to love that. They do have experience at wide receiver and tight end. Um, so things looking pretty good for the offense, if you ask me. Horrible year on defense last year, but tons of improvement towards November. Like I said, linebackers stacked up a little bit with Dorian Ro or uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. No, that is the quarterback for UCLA. Dorian Williams, who led the AAC in tackles in 2020. Also, they have a joker position, which is basically an edge rusher. His name is Darius Hodges this year. Um he led the AAC in uh, tackles for loss last year with 15 and a half. Um, so that is good as well. They should be able to get after the quarterback a little bit. Um, secondary has experience too on the defense. However, they allowed 66.3% completion percentage 
from quarterbacks in the AAC last year. That's not good. Hopefully a little bit of that experience in the secondary will translate into better pass defense. Better than 120th in the country anyway, hopefully. So um, as I alluded to, Vegas says the number is six over is minus 130. So they're saying it's more likely they're going to win seven or more games. Under is plus 110. Let's take a look. They start off the season with two cupcakes. They got UMass coming to town and then six and five in the FCS uh, last year. All Corn State. Um, obviously, Steve McNair is the quarterback there. Uh, no, just kidding. A little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, no, two straight wins. Not a problem there for Tulane to start the season. Then they go on the road to play at Kansas State. Now, this game is between Missouri and Oklahoma for Kansas State. I like the spot. I'm not going to call the upset. However, I am going to say pay attention to that line. If that line's a little too high uh, for Kansas State, given points away to Tulane, I think Tulane's a live dog here. I'm not going to call it in relation to the over-under, but I think they're a live dog. Mark my words for that game, everybody. Look back to this episode. Um, then they're going to bring Southern Mississippi to town. Southern Mississippi, I do really expect to be a lot better of a team this year. I think they have a lot, a lot of talent. Um, however, I'm going to give the win to Tulane at home here. Then they're going to go on the road to play Houston. Houston won last year 40-22. to I got Houston getting the win here again. Um, then they have ECU coming to town. This is the second leg of a back-to-back for ECU. ECU whooped up on this team 52-29 to last year, but Tulane won the previous three matchups. Um, I kind of like the spot with ECU, two games back-to-back on the road. Tulane could be a pretty tough uh, home environment, especially if they get that win over K-State. They would be 4-1 and one in this spot. I kind of like this spot for a win over ECU, so I'm going to give it to the Green Wave. Um, then they go on the road to play USF. It's homecoming for USF. Tulane really whooped up on this team last year, 45-14. to 14. However, I think this is a good spot for USF to get a win, uh, so I did give it to them. They have Memphis coming to town, second leg of a back-to-back road trip for Memphis. I don't like Memphis on the first leg of a back-to-back. I never like them outside of the Liberty Bowl. It's homecoming for Tulane. The stadium will be rocking. I'm going to give the win to Tulane. So, so far, I have them at 5-3. and three. They're going to get a bye week and go on the road to Tulsa. Um, Tulane, as I said, only 5-13 and 13 all-time against Tulsa. Tulsa beat them last year in overtime. I think uh, Tulsa is going to get it done again here in what's about a 55-45 to 45 game um, <laughs> score and percentage-wise. So I'm giving the loss to Tulsa there. Then they're going to bring UCF to town. Second leg of a back-to-back for UCF. They only won 14-10 to 10 last year. Um, so watch out. Tricky, tricky spot. But I, I will give the win to the, the Knights there, to Gus Malzahn and the boys. Then they're going to bring SMU to town. So I think they get one of these two home games, UCF or SMU. Uh, It's also the second leg of the back-to-back road trip for SMU. So although they did beat them up 55-26 to last year, SMU's won seven games straight. I'm still going to give the win to Tulane here. I like this spot for them. I think SMU, it's going to be a shootout, but I think Tulane's going to get it done at home. That leaves the final game of the season on the road at Cincinnati. Cincinnati beating them five of the last six times Tulane has played them. Uh, I'm going to give the win to Cincy. So that puts me at six and six for the Tulane Green Wave, um, which is exactly at the number Vegas set. However, I don't pick pushes. Nobody does that if they have a spine. So I am going to say this team going two and ten last year, I really like them. I think they could surprise a lot of people. However, with the over being at minus 130, it puts the value on the under at plus 110 uh, to go under six. So it's not one that I'm going to touch if I'm being honest. 
I think the value is on the under. But I like this Tulane Green Wave team, and I think they could do do some do some interesting things. Watch out for that Kansas State game. I'm telling you. Next up, the East Carolina Pirates, another team bringing back a decent amount. Uh, 72% of their total production returns from a year ago. Good for 45th in the country. A lot of it on defense. 74% of their defensive production from last year is back. 39th in the country. Um, Mike Houston, since 2020, has this team somewhere middle to the back half of the pack in recruiting in the AAC. Uh, sixth in 2020, eighth in 2021, uh, seventh in 2022. Transfer portal, however, this year, number 58, so not bad there. They were seven and five last year in 2021 with losses against App State on a neutral site, South Carolina at home, very close game there, at UCF, at Houston in overtime, and they lost to Cincinnati at home. So uh, their five losses were all to pretty good teams, uh, and a lot of them were close games, if I'm being honest. Over under this year is set at six and a half with plus 120 on the over, minus 140 on the under. We still got Mike Houston there. He's 14 to 19 uh, as a coach in three years. This is year four for him. I think we're really seeing him start to turn a corner here. Uh, I like what he's doing. He has seven back on offense, seven back on defense. Um, 24th passing offense last year, 39th total offense. So that's pretty strong. Uh, defense can improve a little bit. 82nd against the rush last year. Don't love that. Need them to get a little more physical there. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, Holtman Ehlers is back for what seems um, like his 35th season. Uh, to, to, to back that up a little bit, he's just 221 rushing yards shy of the quarterback rushing record at ECU. So Ehlers, um, really awesome quarterback there for quite some time now. He has pieces at wide receiver to throw to. He's got C.J. Johnson back, who really, I don't know if you've seen this guy, he needs to grow up a little bit, but this guy has elite-level uh, NFL potential. We'll put it that way. This guy could be really, really good. Uh, also, they transfer in a wide receiver from Toledo, Isaiah Winstead, who was really good last year with Toledo. I really like that transfer. And they bring in a transfer from Georgia, Jalen Johnson. So wide receivers got a lot coming back. Um, outside of that, running back brings back Keaton Mitchell and Rajay Harris, which both absolutely nasty. Keaton Mitchell is a do-everything guy. That guy's lightning in a bottle, could score from anywhere on the field. Look out for him. O-line does return three of five. Uh, two tight ends back for the two tight end sets that Houston likes to run. So weapons all over the place on offense. I really like the offense. Defensively, you got one of the best linebacking cores uh, in the entire conference. D-line has depth and experience. They got all AAC cornerback Jaquan McMillan. Uh, he is gone, but they do return a decent amount of depth and experience in the secondary. Um, Malik Fleming is projected second team all AAC. So there is that. A lot of experience. We're just looking for the names defensively for them to really uh, step up and make some improvements on, on that side of the ball. Um, D-line specifically. Got to get more physical. Got to got to start getting better than the 82nd rush defense. That's not going to win you much more than the seven games that won you last year. If you want to win the 50-50 games, you got to get dirty in the trenches, uh, especially against the run. So <clears throat> Vegas sets the over/under at six and a half. Let's see what we think. They're going to start off the season bringing North Carolina State to town. Ladies and gentlemen, North Carolina State is getting a lot of hype this year. ECU, they're a Carolina team. <clears throat> North Carolina team, to be specific. They love playing these big brothers at home. They really do. ECU has won three of the last five matchups against North Carolina State. They've won the last two home matchups, 2010 and 2016. 
against North Carolina State, beating them in Greenville. I gave the win to North Carolina State, but I'm saying this is a live dog. Look out. Look out. This crowd is going to be lit. This game is going to be tough. North Carolina State tends to underperform when the national spotlight is on them, and it is on them this year. Look out for that game. Purpose, purposes of the over-under, I'm being a little harder on these teams than what I think could possibly happen, so I gave them the loss there. Old Dominion comes to town. It's between Virginia Tech and Virginia for Old Dominion, two games that they're going to be a little more focused on. I think that's a fairly simple win for ECU there. Uh, and then they have Campbell, 3-8 and eight in the FCS last year. They're coming to town to Greenville. I got them getting that win and then beating Navy in the next week. Uh, they go on a back-to-back road trip at USF at Tulane. I think they're going to split that. Um, ECU's three and nine all time against USF. So I, I, I gave them the win there to get, you know, get that one done. They beat them 29 to 14 last year. I think they can get it done again there, but I have them losing at Tulane. Um, I just think Tulane has that little bounce back here. Memphis comes to town for homecoming for ECU. ECU beat them last year in the Liberty bowl in overtime, 30 to 29 ECU has beat them eight of the last 10 times. I think ECU gets it done again here. I give them the win. Then They bring UCF to town on October 22nd. Um, This game is before Cincinnati for UCF. Look ahead spot in October, a little bit up north. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take ECU to get it done. They take down the Knights. They take down Gus Malzahn. Give me the upset for ECU. Next up at BYU, a little bit of a tricky spot for BYU in between Liberty and Boise. Uh, Maybe a little bit of a look ahead to that Boise game, but I don't think a lot. I think BYU will be enough focused to get this uh, get this one done. The home team is is two and zero in the last two matchups between BYU and ECU. I think being in Provo, uh, BYU gets this one done. I got the loss for ECU. They get a bye week before playing at Cincinnati. Does follow Navy for Cincy, so you are coming off the triple option. Um, ECU nice and fresh off the bye. However, I did give the win to Cincy. Um, then you got Houston coming to town, November nineteenth, late in the year. Long trip for Houston. Houston won in overtime last year. Questionable win for Houston, 31-24. to I have ECU getting this one done, too. Ladies and gentlemen, I have ECU taking down Houston and UCF. That's another reason why I didn't give them the North Carolina State win. I honestly do think they get two of those three games done. They finish off the year at Temple. That's another easy win. I have ECU 8-4. and four. I am all over the uh, over 6.5 at plus 120. This is my favorite value play of the conference. I really like ECU here. Next up, we will have the SMU Mustangs. Uh, they are bringing back 79% of the total production from last year. That's good for 20th in the country, so a lot coming back. Um, 20th in the country in offensive returning production, 83%. 36th in defensive returning production at 75%. Been recruiting around the midway to upper part of the conference, uh, fourth in 2020 in the conference. Third in 2021, sixth in 2022. Transfer portal absolutely crushed it this year. Number 14 in the transfer portal this year for SMU. Eight and four last year was their results in 2021. They lost uh, at Houston, at Memphis, at Cincy, and they lost to Tulsa at home. So outside of Tulsa at home, three really good losses of the four. Um, Rhett Lashley is now in for year one. Uh, Sonny Dykes takes off. Rhett Lashley comes in. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach um, since 2001. He's been doing that. I'm sorry. I, I kind of made a weird note there, but he's been an offensive coordinator and a quarterback coach since 2011. 
most recently at Miami last year. Five coming back on his offense, which was the ninth scoring offense in the country last year, 14th passing offense, 13th total offense, seven, seven back on D. Not a great D last year, specifically against the pass, 124th in the country against the pass. Um, however, the D did get, get have, have, have a few bright points. I'll talk about that in a minute. Let's get into the offense. Quarterback Tanner Mordecai returns. He was uh, fucking awesome last year, to be honest. Former Oklahoma recruit, transferred over to SMU. Um, but he's going to be pushed this year by redshirt freshman Preston Stone. Brett Lashley really likes what he sees in Preston Stone. Um, so it is a little bit of a quarterback competition there, although I do give the edge most likely to Tanner Mordecai. They lose two wide receivers to the NFL, um, but or one of them being Reggie Roberson Jr. They lose two wide receivers. Reggie Roberson was to the NFL. Uh, but they do return Rasheed Rice, and they transfer in Bo Corrales from UNC and Joshua Moore from Texas. More specifically, I can remember uh, crushing a fantasy lineup for me. Dude was pretty legit. So two pretty good wide receiver transfers there and returning Rasheed Rice. I like that look for Tanner Mordecai. They got three back on the offensive line and transfer in um, players from Virginia and Georgia. So those are some good offensive line transfers there. Um, <clears throat> Ulysses, Ulysses Bennett, the fourth, did transfer out as running back. Um, I almost said Ulysses S. Grant. I was, I was really tempted there for a minute. Um but they do return Trey Siggers, who had 727 yards, nine touchdowns last year as the backup. So that is pretty strong right there. The defense, what was the little tidbit I had? Well, they were 124th against the pass and a lot better against the run. Now, typically, I would say that's because teams didn't bother running on him much because it was so easy to pass. However, they did only allow 3.8 yards per carry from running backs last year. So that does tell me their D-line is pretty solid and add into the fact that they got 27 sacks last year. I like the D-line here. Um, they returned two starters, and uh, two of the starters are seniors. of the, or I'm sorry, all three of the starters on the defensive line are seniors. Um, two of them are returning starters. They got experience at linebacker, but they are switching to the 4-2-5. They have experience on the secondary, but as I said, not a very good secondary last year, giving up 278 yards per game through the air, 8.3 yards per attempt last year. However, switching to the 4-2-5 uh, might gear up a little bit more towards a little bit of uh, pass protection that they do desperately need to improve on. All right, Vegas sets the number at 7, so over under 7. Over is minus 105. Under is minus 115, so Vegas feeling pretty confident they hit the number uh, right on the head here. Let's get into the schedule, see what we think. They're going to start off the season in Denton, Texas, playing the North Texas Mean Green. Um, SMU won this matchup last year 35-12. to uh, However, they did lose in Denton in 2018. North Texas has a tune-up game before this matchup. So many new pieces here for SMU, for Rhett Lashley and his team. I'm actually going to go with the upset. I'm going to go with North Texas, Seth Luttrell, and the boys get it done. Risky call, I know, especially when you're considering over-under uh, implications, but I'm going to go with North Texas to get an upset here. Next up, they're going to bring Lamar to town, 2-9 uh, in the FCS last year. SMU gets that one done easy. Then they go on the road to play Maryland. Um, would be a really interesting matchup on a neutral site. Really interesting matchup if it was down in Dallas. However, being up in Maryland especially early in the season when we all know Maryland is playing to the level of like Alabama. Um, this is still when Maryland's going to be a good football team. I think they're going to get this one done. Then they bring TCU to town, which might be a little bit of what SMU was looking forward to. Uh, they are 
Um, they've won three of the last 10 matchups, uh, but two straight against TCU. They won last year, 42 to 34. Um, Sonny Dykes is over there at TCU. So that's going to be very interesting. TCU does snag a bye week before this game. However, I do have SMU getting it done. I have SMU pulling the upset over TCU. Um, very interesting. I think they get it done against their old coach. Then they're going to get a bye week. Um, no, I'm sorry. One week a little ahead of time there. They play at UCF. Um, SMU did get the win last time, last year, 55 to 28. However, they are 2-8 and eight all time against UCF, and I think they lose this one here. So I have them starting out 2-3 and three going into the bye week, then bringing Navy to town. Love getting a triple option team after the bye week. I have SMU getting the win. Then they're going to bring Cincinnati to town. This is homecoming for SMU. However, since he did wipe the floor with them last year, 48-14, to 14, SMU just 1-5 all-time against Cincy. Uh, Cincy's going to have to get used to taking these trips down south and getting wins, so I have them getting it done here. Uh, then they're going to go on the road to play at Tulsa, homecoming for Tulsa. Tulsa won last year. Uh, SMU just 2-6 and six in their last eight against Tulsa. However, I think SMU is the more talented te- team here, uh, particularly this year. Tulsa doesn't have the defense anymore to keep up with it, I don't think. I'm going to give SMU the win. Then they bring Houston to town, the Cougars. Houston won last year by a touchdown at home, 44-37. SMU has won three of the last five, however, and the last two played in Dallas. SMU have won. I do have Houston getting this game done, but what I have it really boiling down to for me is I think SMU is going to get the win at home against either TCU or Houston. I don't see them beating both. I went with TCU because they got the new coach over there. And I honestly think TCU is the worst program between Houston and uh, themselves this year. So uh, I have them losing against Houston. Then they go on a back-to-back road trip at USF, at Tulane. I actually have them dropping both of those games. Uh, I think both are going to be shootouts. SMU has beat Tulane 10 of the last 11 times they've played. So that's pretty interesting there. They won 55 to 26 last year. However, I think this Tulane team's a lot different. It's a tough second leg of a back-to-back. I'm going to give the win to Tulane. They're going to finish off the season bringing Memphis to town. Memphis won last year 28 to 25. Memphis has won seven of their last eight against SMU. However, I have SMU getting it done here. That being said, I have SMU at five and seven, which is under the seven. Um, I don't really like this play. I did lean towards the under at minus 115. Uh, a lot of variables here. I think you could argue some wins and losses. Like I had them lose to North Texas. You can give them a win. That would put them at six and six. However, they could lose the TCU game. They could lose to Navy. They could lose to Tulsa, who, like I said, they're two and six in their last eight against. Um, they could lose to Memphis, who they're uh, one and seven against in the last eight. So you could debate wins and losses. I just think uh, – seven's really the ceiling here and I, I don't look for pushes to be my ceiling i lean towards the under here for smu that's going to bring us to the memphis tigers memphis is bringing back uh 70 of their total production from a year ago that's good for 50th in the country um it's pretty much split between offense and defense they're right around the 50 mark in the country on uh both of those categories as well recruiting wise this team's been doing a really good job with ryan silverfield uh, in 2020, they were 65th in the country, second in the conference. 2021, 48th in the country, second in the conference. 2022, 58th in the country, fourth in the conference. So on paper, year after year, this has been one of the most talented teams in the conference. Transfer portal this year, number 68 in the country, so decent there. 
2020 result, 2021 results. They were six and six last year. This is one of my favorite unders from a year ago. Um, I really liked it. I think the number might have been eight and a half. I was all over it. It was one of my favorite plays, obviously cashed. Um, they had losses at home against UTSA. They lost four of their road games. They only had five. They lost at Temple, at Tulsa, at UCF, at Houston. Um, so even the Temple and Tulsa games kind of show you how that team plays on the road. They also lost to ECU at home last year. Um, this year they're going to bring back six on offense, um, the 16th passing offense from a year ago, 38th total offense, only 92nd rushing offense, though. This team's not really running the ball very well at all. Four back on defense uh, from a really just not good defense last year, 103rd against the pass, 95th overall, 89th against the rush, 91st scoring defense, not good at all there. On offense, Seth Hennigan is going to come back to play quarterback. He had 3,300 yards and 25 TDs as a freshman last year. That's pretty good. It's a system offense. Keep that in mind. But he stepped in and filled in just, just fine as a freshman. Um, top two running backs from a year ago return. Uh, like I said, 92nd rushing offense last year. However, they do bring in NIU transfer J Javon Ducker. Javon Ducker. Um, he was the 2021 MAC Freshman of the Year with a uh, Almost 1,200 yards rushing, so that is a good addition there for Memphis. Maybe they're going to start looking to lean on the run a little bit more than just being pass dominant. Wide receiver does have experience, but they lost a ton of production, namely Calvin Austin III, uh, who is now in the NFL, amazing wide receiver in college last year, um, playmaker, but he's gone now, so that's a hit. Uh, O-line returns three of five. The defense has uh, Matt Barnes as their defensive coordinator, so um, – I don't know if Harrison Barnes is going to continue to play in the uh, NBA. Um, I do know Matt Barnes. That should really bring a lot of physicality to this defense, which is sorely lacking. Obviously, I'm joking. It's not Matt Barnes, the NBA player, who once drove like four hours in a fit of rage to try to fight Derek Fisher for banging his ex-wife. Um, it's not that one. It is the former uh, defensive back coach for OSU, which right off the top of my head um, – I don't really <laughs> like defensive backs for OSU that much. They have had a really bad pass defense in, in recent years. So not huge on the Matt Barnes hire at D coordinator. I don't know if that helps uh, Ryan Silverfield staff out that much. They do, however, in the secondary return all AAC safety, uh, free safety, Quindell Johnson. So that's good. They do have a lot of experience back from that bad secondary. So take it or leave it, I guess. Linebackers pretty much all new, but they do transfer in Syracuse linebacker Jeffrey Canton Arku. I guess that's how you say that, who had 10 tackles for last five sacks and three forced fumbles last year. So um, that's a player to watch, really. That's that's pretty impressive. This, this guy was getting in the backfield from the linebacker position last year. Interesting. And they also bring in Charlotte's leading tacklers, tackler from the last two years in 2020 and 2021. So a couple key transfers there at linebacker. Uh, Adding, adding some experience to what really doesn't return a lot there. D-line does have some experience, but like I said, 89th against the rush last year. Not a great D-line here for Memphis. So let's see what we think. Vegas thinks over-under should be set at 7.5, over at plus 120, under at minus 140. They're going to start off the season at Mississippi State and at Navy. They beat Mississippi State on kind of a bullshit call last year, 31-29 to in the Liberty Bowl. No chance they win this game. Let's hope it's a close line for betting's sake because Mississippi State's going to take it to them. Um, then you got to go on the road after playing in the SEC. You got to go play the triple option. I'm going to give Navy that win. Uh, so I have Memphis starting off 0 2, and I feel pretty good about that. Then they bring Arkansas State to town, a trash team. 
uh, second leg of a back-to-back -back for Arkansas State. I have Memphis getting that win done. Also, the second leg of a back-to-back -back road trip for North Texas, who is their next game. I'm going to give them the win there. Then they bring Temple to town. I'm going to give them the win over Temple as well. So I have them starting off 3-2. and two. Then they bring Houston to town. Houston won 31-13 last year. Memphis had won the previous five. They've won three straight in Memphis. Uh, I expect this to be a lit environment there in the Liberty Bowl. However, I think Houston is just too talented. I have Houston getting it done. Next, a back-to-back -back road trip at ECU, at Tulane. Uh, homecoming as well for both of those programs. Um, I, I have both of those teams getting the wins. I have two straight losses for Memphis there outside of the Liberty Bowl. For those playing along at home, I don't have them win winning a single road game so far. Then they're going to have a bye week. So I have them three and five going into the bye, bringing UCF to town on November 5th. It's homecoming for Memphis, follows Cincinnati for UCF. I actually have Memphis getting the win here. I think that's going to be a crazy environment. That's another reason I didn't give them the win over Houston is I do have them getting UCF. I don't think they get both. Um, then they're going to bring Tulsa to town. I have another win. They do their best SEC uh, impression here and bring North Alabama to town, a 3-8 and eight FCS team from a year ago. So they get a win there, and then they're going to go on the road to play SMU. I got them taking the L to SMU there. I have this team at 6-6. Six and six. I really, really like this under again, under 7.5. I feel pretty strong about it. However, it is minus 140, so not great value, but uh, I am pretty set on under 7.5 for this Memphis program. So that will bring us to the heart of the AAC now, the final three teams, uh, starting off with the Central Florida Knights, the UCF Knights. Um, another team geographically pretty close to myself down here in the uh, Gulf Coast area of Florida. So um, returning production-wise, this team looking pretty good. 79% of their total re production returns from a year ago. That's good for 19th in the country. 77% of it is off, or 77% uh, of their offensive production comes back, 33rd in the country. 81% of their defensive production returns for 21st in the country. Um, 2020, not great recruiting, 75th in the country, 7th in the conference. But 2021, 58th in the country, 4th in the conference. 2022, 53 in the country, 3rd in the conference. So recruiting at a higher level uh, the last few years with Gus Malzahn. Transfer portal this year in 2022, number 15 in the country. Gotta like that. Uh, 2021, last year, they went 8-4. and four. They lost four games. We're all on the road. Lost at Louisville, at Navy, at Cincy, at SMU. Gus Malzahn is back for his second year as head coach. Um, last year, of course, being his first. So they bring six back on offense. This was the 37th scoring offense, 28th rushing offense, and 66th total offense in the country a year ago. Seven back on defense, which was the 49th scoring defense, 34th passing defense, 53rd total defense from a year ago. So nothing spectacular really on either side of the ball, but up in the upper half of things um, in, in pretty much every category there. Not too shabby uh, on either side of the ball. Mikey Keene finished the season as the starting quarterback last year, but they do transfer in John Reese Plumley uh, from Ole Miss to compete. I actually think Reese Plumley might be a little more mobile and a little bit more of a better, um, better option for this team for a Gus Malzahn offense. I, I think he could be the way to go. We'll see what happens. Uh, Isaiah Bowser is back at running back. That dude was a stud when he was healthy last year, along with returning rusher uh, Johnny Richardson. Gotta love that. Wide receiver Ryan O'Keefe returns. I remember him from fantasy last year as well. This dude was a stud. 
Um, he's also joined by Auburn's leading receiver from a year ago, uh, from last year, uh, Kobe Hudson. So Malzahn's still poaching the Auburn pipeline there. O-line has three back, tons of depth and experience. Transfers in a Virginia senior to get on the yellow line there. So things should be looking pretty damn good on the offensive side of the ball for Malzahn and the boys. The defense has uh, tons of experience and talent in the secondary. Transfers in FCS All-American Kobe Perry from Austin P. Um, also an FCS All-American Jason Johnson from Eastern Illinois. Uh, at linebacker, so raiding the FCS level there, grabbing a couple All-Americans at that level, pretty awesome there. D-line is stacked, three starters back, and Auburn transferred Lee Hunter, who is a former four-star recruit. So Gus Malzahn really sticking it to Brian Harson and Auburn, Auburn out there. Um, defense is looking like it honestly could be a pretty good step up from what they were last year. I like the look. Vegas likes the look as well as the over-under is set at 8.5. Over is plus 100. Under is minus 120. Let's get into it. They start off with 7-5 and five FCS team from a year ago, South Carolina State. I have them getting a win there. And then bringing Louisville to town as well to uh, the moon bounce there. Second leg of a back-to-back road trip for Louisville. So although Louisville did win last year by a touchdown, 42-35, to 35, I have UCF getting it done at home this year in Orlando, uh, getting the win. Then they go on the road to play Willie Taggart in Florida Atlantic. Uh, over in Boca Raton, I'm going to have them get the win there as well. Then they have two straight home games. So four of their first five games are at home for those of you playing along at home. Uh, they have Georgia Tech coming to town and SMU. I have them getting both of those as well. Then they're going to get a bye week and bring Temple out to Orlando. So that's an easy win. They're going to go on the road to East Carolina. UCF won last year 20-16. to 16. UCF's won eight of the last ten. I got the upset. I have East Carolina getting it done in Greenville. I think that environment's going to be pretty on fire, um, and I think the Pirates get it done. Next up, Cincy comes to town for UCF. Homecoming for UCF. Cincy has a bye before. However, I think this is going to be another really crazy home environment. It really does get wild there in the moon bounce. Give me UCF with the upset win over Cincinnati. Then they are going to go on a back-to-back road trip, play at Memphis, at Tulane. I think they're going to split it one way or another. Being that I gave them the win over Cincy, I'm going to give them the upset loss in the Liberty Bowl to Memphis. Memphis has a bye before. It's homecoming for Memphis. A lot of factors looking like they could take down UCF there. So I am going to have UCF get the loss and then win over Tulane. Um, Then they're going to finish off the season bringing Navy to town and going at rival USF. I got them with two more wins there. I have this team 10-2. and Um, they could be nine and three. I I really don't see them going too far below that. I mean, over plus 100, I I think that's the value here with everything coming back with how well this team's been recruited with, uh, how well, uh, Malzahn's work in the transfer portal. I really like this team to, uh, have, have a season above nine wins. If I'm being honest, I think it's a really good roster. I'm going over plus 100. Next up, we're going to talk a little bit of Houston Cougars football. Uh, This team is kind of a media darling this year. A lot of people projecting them to do some pretty big things. I see why total production from a year ago coming back, total returning production that is, 74%, 35th in the country there. 76% of their defensive production from a year ago returns. That is 32nd in the country. Recruiting-wise, 2020, 72 in the country, 5th in the conference, 2021, 85th in the country, 7th in the conference. So those 
not really around what I would have expected from them. However, 2022, Dana Holgerson gets things on track, 50th in the country, second in the conference, only behind Cincy. Transfer portal 2022, they are number 44 in the country. I could see Dana Holgerson being a pretty big transfer portal guy. That doesn't really surprise me. Um, it's just the way he looks. Um, some boys that I know at of Oakland um, over at the SGPN network, uh, Colby Dant over at the SGPN network, uh, USFL slash XFL slash CFL Jim over at the SGPN network. Um, yeah, they all they all call him the used car salesman, and and how can you disagree that it's exactly what he looks like you could just see him with his uh tucked in tucked in polo shirt and spilled coffee all over his breast pocket yeah that's exactly what he looks like i could see him being phenomenal in the transfer portal not a surprise there that they were 44th in the country <clears throat> six starters return on offense six starters return on defense uh 15th scoring offense from a year ago 23rd passing offense 60th total um so a pretty decent offense from last year 60th total is a little little surprising but they weren't a dominant run team, um, but Clayton Toon does like to sling the ball all over, so we do know that. Uh, the six back on defense, that's the 19th scoring defense from a year ago, the 10th rushing defense, 18th passing defense, six total defense. So really got to like that amount of production returning on the de defensive side of the ball for the Cougars. Offensively, you've got Clayton Toon, who had 3,500 yards and 30 TDs last year, coming back with Nathaniel Dell back at wide receiver. He had 1,300 yards and 12 TDs himself. Um, they also transfer in uh, wide receivers from West Virginia, USC, and Ole Miss. So a lot of weapons for Clayton Toon in this offense there. Alton McCaskill, the running back, did, uh, did tear his ACL in the offseason. So he is going to be out for the year most likely there. Um, but they do return their second leading rusher from a year ago to John. I think it's to John, but it is spelled with a Z. There is an apostrophe in there. Who knows what's going on? But I think it's to John Henry. He returns. He was their second leading uh, rusher from a year ago. And they transfer in Brandon Campbell from USC to add some depth. So um, not too bad there. Two of five on the O-line with a Texas transfer. So it's a little bit of a young O-line. The Texas transfer might help things out a little bit, but uh, – I don't think we're going to see a huge improvement in the running game due to that. However, they should still sling the ball around pretty well. D-line is absolutely stacked. 12 sacks and 20 and a half tackles for loss returning just between DeAnthony Jones and Derek Parrish. Um, middle linebacker, they have projected first team all AAC player Donovan Martin. Uh, cornerbacks are experienced. Safeties are absolutely loaded. Free safety Jervarius Owens is a projected first team all AAC player as well. So um, this defense is going to be absolutely nasty, potentially the best in the conference. It's really going to be neck and neck there with Cincy. Uh, let's see. Vegas thinks this team over under set at nine over and under both at minus 110 as far as what I'm seeing right now. Um, so they think nine is pretty much spot on accurate. Not sure if it's over or under for sure. Let's see what we think. They're going to start off the season with a really tough back to back road trip at UTSA at Texas Tech. Here's my deal with this. I really wanted them to split this. I, I really did. But I think they are really locked into this Texas Tech game. Um, Texas Tech beat them last year 38-21. to 21. Texas Tech has beat them nine of the last ten times. I think they are really locked on to winning this Texas Tech game, which is a winnable game. 
So that means that the game that I think they would have to lose would be UTSA, which means looking ahead to Texas Tech, they lose to UTSA. Not to shit on UTSA at all. They were 11-1 last year. They're a really, really, really good G5 team. And I love when G5 teams get Big Brother coming into their turf. You got to love that. However, I think it's really hard to overlook a team that you're more talented to than in the first week of the season. So for that reason, that it's not a huge look-ahead spot because I think they're looking ahead to Texas Tech. But however, it is week one. I have them picking up the win over UTSA and picking over the win at Texas Tech. That being said, I gave them two. They could easily split that. Keep that in mind. Then they're going to bring Kansas to town on the second leg of a back-to-back for Kansas. I have them getting the win done there. They bring Rice and Tulane to town. They beat these two teams pretty bad last year. I have them getting two more wins. And then I have them winning at Memphis, getting getting, um, the win over Memphis and starting off the season 6-0. So I got them starting off 6-0 going into the bye. Then they're going to go at Navy. They get the bye before Navy, which is the reason I am going to still give them the win there. They bring USF to town, homecoming for Houston. Easy win there for for Houston over USF. Then they're going to go on the road to play SMU. I have them getting the win done there as well. They bring Temple to town. They get a win on the road November 19th, going to Greenville, North Carolina to play ECU. I have them taking the loss. Upset for the Pirates. Final game of the season, they're going to play Tulsa. I have them getting the win. I have this team at 11-1. and one. Um, I could easily see them dropping one of those first two games and going 10-2. and two. That being said, I, I, I do think they're leagues above Memphis right now. I do think they're leagues above SMU right now. That's the only two games I could really see them dropping outside of that to drop down to three. So it's not my favorite play. However, I I do like the over at minus 110 here for Houston. I think that's where the smart money is. I really don't see this team being an eight-win team, if I'm being honest. Um, I think it's going to be more of what we saw last year where they went 11-1. and Um, Look out for that Texas Tech game. They cost them the perfect season last year. Um, I really think they're going to beat the hell out of Texas Tech this year. I really do. Okay, so that brings us to the final team in the conference, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, returning production-wise, this isn't looking like one of the better teams in the conference. They lost a lot. We know this. We know they lost Sauce Gardner. We know they lost Desmond Ritter. We know these guys are gone. However, I think they did a pretty good job of reloading. For one, this team for the last three years has been first in the conference and top 45 in the nation as far as recruiting. So Luke Fickle's been getting it done there in uh, as far as recruiting goes. They all are also 40th in the transfer portal this year in 2022. So he did a good job at raiding that thing to replace a little bit of uh, what left th- through the draft or graduation. Um, this team obviously went 12-0 and last year, one at Indiana, one at Notre Dame. Very impressive. Maybe not so much Indiana, but at Notre Dame is pretty impressive. Um, Luke Fickle back for year six. He's 48-15 and as a head coach. Uh, they bring seven back on offense. This was the 13th scoring offense last year, 56, 56th run offense, 58th passing offense, 58th total. Um, five back on defense. This was the fifth scoring defense last year, second passing defense, 10th total. Um, quarterback Desmond Ritter, as I said, is gone. However, they do transfer back in uh, former Bearcat and EMU transfer Ben Bryant. He uh, transferred out after sitting behind Desmond Ritter. He transferred to Eastern Michigan, and he decided to come back this year. Look at Luke Fickle swinging that one back. Very impressive. 
However, even with the experience in the offense, Ben Bryant isn't guaranteed the starting position job. Sophomore Evan Prater is going to push him for that position. So it looks like Ben Bryant as of now, however, could be Evan Prater. Desmond Ritter was a stud, great, great college quarterback. However, talent-wise, I don't think he was an elite talent-level quarterback, which means I, I think there's a possibility where if Evan Prater turns out to be a stud, I think you could even improve at the quarterback position, not from a leadership or experience standpoint, obviously, but as far as talent-wise, raw talent, it'll be interesting to see what Evan Prater does if he's given an opportunity. However, if it's Ben Bryant, I could see him efficiently running the offense as well. Five O-linemen come back. Three of them were all AAC first team last year. That's pretty damn impressive. Um, they do lose running back Jerome Ford, but all of his backups still remain. Also, they transfer in a four-star recruit, formerly four-star recruit, uh, from LSU, his name is Corey Kiner. He will probably be the starter this year. They got experience at wide receiver. They got experience at tight end. Offense still has the pieces here. Defense, this team lost six to the NFL from last year. That's pretty crazy. However, you do have eight and a half sacks returning throughout the D-line. Uh, Malik Vaughn is projected uh, all AAC as a defensive end. That dude is a stud. Linebacker Deshaun Pace is back, 94 tackles and four interceptions last year. And he's being joined this year by all-Mac linebacker Ivan Pace, who is his brother. So that's pretty impressive there as well. Secondary obviously takes the biggest hit. You lose Sauce Gardner, you lose other pieces. But um, there's still some projected all-conference level talent scattered throughout the first uh, or the second and third level of the all-conference projections. So um, I still expect big things from this defense. Maybe a little step back this year, probably a little step back this year, but I don't think it's going to be drastic to where you see this team falling too far from the top of the AAC. So let's get into the schedule. Vegas saying over under set at nine over is at minus 130. Under is at plus 110. They're going to start off the season at Arkansas, going down to SEC territory week one. That's a pretty rough trip to start the season. Um, I expect a three-point game, honestly, one way or another. I'm going to give the win to Arkansas, being that they are at home and they are a little sta more stable from what they bring back as compared to Cincinnati. Then they're going to bring Kennesaw State to town, to Cincinnati, Nippert Stadium. Um, that's really interesting. I, I have Cincinnati getting this win, but this is a triple option FCS team. They were 11-2 and two last year, a playoff team. They're ranked number nine as far as projected rankings this year in the FCS. Um so really not an FCS team I would really want to fuck around with much uh, for a team that's rebuilding so many new things. However, since he is talented enough still that they should be able to get that one done. So one and one to start the season, then a rivalry game at Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati against Miami of Ohio. Um, this rivalry is actually 59 and 59 all time since he has won the last 15 and really even this thing out. Miami of Ohio was kind of traditionally the better program for uh, quite a long time in history there. Um, since he, however, beat them 49-14 to 14 last year, I see more of the same this year. Um, but not an easy start to the schedule. You look at it, you see a MAC team, you see an FCS, but those aren't those aren't really too easy ones. So a little bit brutal of a stretch. I have them going 2-1 and one there. Then they bring Indiana to Cincinnati in the Nippert Stadium. They got the win last year. That game was pretty close. Um, I have them getting the win here again against Indiana, but I don't think it's a gimme. They're going to go on the road to play Tulsa. I have them getting that one done, and then they bring USF to town and go at SMU, uh, which is homecoming for SMU. But I do have Cincy getting both of those as well. So I have Cincy starting out 6-1, and one, going into the bye week, 
Uh, coming out of the bye week, they will be playing UCF, which this is homecoming for UCF. Since he's won three straight, however, I like the position UCF is in more here. Uh, I got them getting the win over Cincinnati there. So Cincinnati has two losses now for me. They're going to bring Navy to town after UCF. Dangerous spot to catch a Navy team who you only beat by seven last year. However, I do have Cincy getting it done. I think they're defensively a little too talented to drop this game. So I do have them getting the win there. I have them getting the win over ECU, even though ECU does have a bye before this game. And then I have them beating uh, Temple in Philadelphia and then beating Tulane at Nippert. So I have this team going 10-2. and two. Uh, I am on the over at minus 130. However, it's not something I'm jumping out of my chair to bet. Um, there could be an argument that the value is on the under at plus 110, but I really kind of think 9 nine or 10 is really the number for this team this year. I like the over. I think they bring back enough to, to really be a presence in this conference for yet another year and be separated by enough that uh, they get it done here. So interesting to watch this year see the rebuild or not really a rebuild but the transition from the desmond ritter, ritter era see cincinnati their last year as a g5 team i think they go 10 and 2 i got the over minus 130. okay that is the end of my aac rundown uh my favorite play is going to be memphis under seven and a half at minus 140. that's the one that i feel most locked in on i really don't think that team's going to win eight or more games um i think they're going to continue their struggles on the road I don't think they're an elite talent in the conference. So that is my favorite play. However, I think the best value out of the whole conference is going to be ECU over six and a half at plus 120. This is the one that I'm kind of jumping out, out of my chair to bet. I love the value. I love what Mike Houston is doing there with the Pirates of ECU. Um, I really think that over six and a half is going to crush. Seven is what I think the floor is. I could see them going all the way up to nine. I honestly think they could win most of the games on their schedule. They get some really, really favorable spots in the tougher games. So the Pirates at plus 120 are my favorite over. Um, that's going to do it for the AAC preview. Uh, hopefully you found all the information you could need for the group of five throughout uh, our first, uh, what, six or seven podcasts. Now six because the independence um, and all the G5 is complete. Like I said, my buddy Mike is going to hop on and do his AAC preview, so you will get a part two to this episode. Um, you can see what he thinks. You can always find us on Twitter at GCG underscore wins. The actual podcast page is at Coastal Covers 24. Always hit us up on there. Ask us any questions you want. The next conference up on deck is going to be another two-parter for the ACC, jumping into the Power Five. Guys, thank you very much for listening, and I will see you next time. 